You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 368, we're discussing just about everything. I'm your host for this episode, it's Tim, and you know what guys, it's vacation time here in the Nerd Room. Both Ian and I are taking a little bit of vacation here, that's why there was not an episode last week, and I'm currently still on vacation, but I really couldn't help myself here, and I had to get behind the mic just to muse a little bit about nerd. You know, I love podcasting, I love talking about nerd, and I've had a little bit of a void in my life over the last week or so, and so I decided, all right, I'm gonna sit back, relax, and I'm gonna get at the mic. But first things first, guys, I gotta ask everyone out there, when you're on vacation, what is your beverage of choice? Because I'm about to crack one here live on the podcast and just have a little bit of a relaxing time now i've just cracked open here a vodka soda seltzer if you will i like to call this time my seltzer summer vacation i've really gotten into these things i've gotten away from beer just for health reasons but i have to say Oh, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with a cold one on a nice Wednesday evening when you're just getting ready to talk about some nerd. Now, guys, I don't really have anything planned for this episode right here. It's going to be probably a shorter one, but what I thought I would do is so talk a little bit about what I've been doing here inside of the nerd space on vacation, and then I think I'll hop over to comicbookmovie.com and just pick a few stories to provide either a hot take or some sort of commentary around, just to have a little bit of fun here while I'm on vacation. And so you know what guys, let's just jump straight into it. Now, on this vacation, it was a little cold. I'm in a small BC vacation town here in Canada. And one day it was raining, so my family, we decided to go see the Barbie movie. I have two young kids, my wife, and we went in there and we had an absolute riot with this film. It's one of those films that I think is better for like a 10 plus year old kid. My kids are under 10. They didn't really get it. My oldest came out and said, I liked it, but I really didn't understand it. And my youngest turned to me about 10 minutes in and said, Daddy, where's all the Barbies? She was expecting either a Barbie style of movie from Netflix or a physical people playing with Barbies movie. I don't know what she was expecting, but she sat through it, she enjoyed it. My oldest had a bit of laughs here and there, but I would say it is definitely made for the 10 plus year old kids and of course for the adults. This plays fast and loose with the concepts of Barbie and really brings in some real world stuff, provides some interesting commentary around the dynamics of men and women and really Barbie's place in the world, which I really loved. And to be honest with you, it was a great time, a great laugh, and it was so original and different from anything that we've gotten recently. That's the thing that stuck out to me the most, and I think that's why it is the phenomenon it is today. I think as of this recording, it's eclipsed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3's entire domestic run within three weeks, which is 
absolutely insane. If you go back a couple years and say that, people would say, you are absolutely crazy. This movie is on pace to do over $600 million domestically, really filling that Top Gun Maverick void that we've had this year inside of the summer blockbuster season. Going over to our box office pool, if you go back one episode, you can hear our commentary prior to Barbie coming out here and Oppenheimer as well. And I think if you go back to the start of the year, none of us were really predicting, except for maybe Carlos, that this movie was going to be this substantial, this big, the game changer of the year. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only the Barbie formula, but the marketing and the reception changes how studios, when they get on the other side of all of this strike and everything, how they approach filmmaking, how they give potentially more creative control to some of the the creatives and the directors because this seems like it was very director and writer driven which is a huge thing and so barbie great go check it out especially if you got little older kids and and yourself have some sort of you know if you had a sister or someone that you knew that played with barbies there's a lot of cool references inside of that so it's a pretty layered movie so get out there and absolutely check that out and also from a theater perspective here we got tmnt mutant mayhem dropping this week i'm trying to convince my youngest to go see it with me my oldest is off at camp so she won't be seeing it with me if she doesn't want to come, I'm going to see this myself. I've heard phenomenal things about this film. It's really what I think I wanted from a TMNT movie to kind of recapture that 80s vibe. So I'm super stoked about that for this week. So the last couple of weeks of movies coming out of the back end, really, of the summer, at least for the summer movie season, seems to be really delivering with Oppenheimer, with Barbie, and now TMNT Mutant Mayhem. And of course, Meg 2 comes out this week too. So that's kind of your, you know, turn your brain off, go in and watch a shark fight Jason Statham type thing. So awesome. Movie theaters, absolutely killing it right now. I'm going to take a little pause here, guys. I'm going to have a little sip. Sometimes you just need to, you know, wet the old whistle as you're podcasting here. Now, let's hop over to, to comicbookmovie.com. Um, there's lots of stories on here. This is sometimes a site I use to kind of gather a bit of site notes or podcast notes, if you will. And I guess the first thing I actually want to talk about here is is that new Loki trailer that dropped. It came out two days ago, I believe. And we've got our kind of our first look at Loki. Season two, this one looks like it's coming in very, very strong. Now, we'll talk about Secret Invasion here in a second, but Loki season one is arguably probably the best Disney Plus show. It seemed to be the most well-written, the most well-composed, and the one that had the potential to have much larger implications for an MCU narrative. Now, that isn't what is should always drive. You want that contained story. But I think having these Disney Plus shows matter was super important at the onset of their genesis that it was all connected and that might be going away with the reception of some of these movies and this confusion amongst the ga and even some of the more in tune audience members about what do i need to watch what sort of homework do i need to do and trying to maybe step back from that a little bit as it seems that a lot of people when it shifted away from the movie theaters they got tired of the concept but loki season two Again, going back to to season one, just before I reference a bit more on season two, season one was something that my wife and Sat watched with me, absolutely loved it, really dug it, didn't understand the last episode, 
That's when I got kind of all MCU universe building stuff. But I'm hoping that she'll get locked back into this because it's bringing back a lot of the similar characters like Owen Wilson's character. We got Sylvia in there. We've got some new characters like OB, which is going to be amazing. And it, it, it just sets off this really refined vibe. The story seems to be very tied into what they did before. The look and the aesthetic of it picks up on that unique piece that they were able to put together with season one. And they're really progressing the story, it seems like, in here. I'm not going to go and break down all the the little nuances and everything in that. But it does seem to be picking up on, of course, the multiverse story, which I think Marvel's really dropped the ball on, if I'm going to be 100% honest with you here. These two seasons, Loki season one, so Loki season two, based off of this trailer, looks like they're going to be absolute linchpins in the narrative of the multiverse saga and i don't think that they've done anything with it if i'm being completely honest with you with the absence of the jonathan majors cameo in season one and him being in loki season two like they haven't really pulled anything out of this it wasn't referenced in no way home or multiverse of madness or anything that they've done which i think is a huge disappointment because it was the catalyst for all this and it continues to push on this idea of building out this multiverse thing and the movies have not supported it whatsoever so this two-way street of characters and and more importantly stories inside of the mcu bouncing between the movies and Disney Plus just fell apart right at the onset. And I think that this season is going to be so important for the likes of King Dynasty if that happens and and what is it called? Secret Wars. And I just don't know how they can get away with not making this a more important, a central piece to the story that they're telling because this whole trailer, not only does it have a lot of pieces from season one, but it really seems to drive everything wildly forward, like more so than any movie in the last couple of years has done to drive this overarching multiverse saga. The Infinity Saga, every movie contributed to it, even if it was just a small end credit scene or a little bit of piece, that's what made it special. This multiverse saga is just so out there, and you have the most important stuff not getting the actual FaceTime that it needs. Now, I say that, and just looking here, it looks like that Loki Season 2 trailer was the most viewed Disney Plus trailer, eclipsing She-Hulk with 80 million views within its first day or so. And so it looks like a lot of people are looking to this, and a lot of people are anticipating this and engaged with this, and like I said, the why they aren't using it more to leverage out into the films, to leverage, like even pulling Tom Hiddleston as some form of end credit scene, like they did it, of course, in Ant-Man. But he should have been in some capacity in Multiverse of Madness. Connect this up a little bit more. I think the power behind Loki Season 2 is not only do you have Tom Hiddleston and the characters returning, like Owen Wilson, but you're, you're starting to make people feel like they're in the know again. And I think people want to feel like they are watching a bigger story unfold while enjoying the nuances of, of characters and of a smaller story being told inside of that larger narrative. I, th I think people want that still, but I don't know. Like This trailer is a banger, absolute banger. It's probably the most anticipated I've been for Disney Plus show since Secret Invasion, which is kind of, I'm being cheeky there a little bit. 
we're gonna get to secret invasion in a second here but i'm really looking forward to to loki season two here absolutely pumped now let's spin to the other side of the of the of the street here with the mcu and disney plus secret invasion just ended i'm not going to go through this whole season we, we've talked about it a couple times here on the podcast i was really excited for this i thought that this had a ton of potential to be this wonderful cerebral slow-paced totally different show and i even pitched it that way a couple episodes ago that if you're looking for something different plug into secret invasion and i think the first couple episodes really showed some promise now the last three oh man i really struggled with the last three because it just felt like it was never going anywhere and the steps it did take it feel like it really fumbled and there's two aspects that i'm, I'm gonna surface or bring to the surface here with regards to the show like we, we can deep dive into it if you guys really want to but i think two things that stick out to me that i've heard a lot of buzz about and the two things that really kind of got me thinking one, the end battle scene with the Super Scroll stuff and all of the superpowers, including Miss Marvel's, absurd. <laughs> I'm sorry, absolutely and unequivocally absurd. It it made no sense why this was harvested, how it was in a single vial, why she had Drax's arm. Like I get the idea of a Super Scroll and everything like that, but like it just made both of these characters the most powerful characters in the entire MCU, combining all of the powers from every single hero and villain from the end of Endgame. Like, I don't even know how, how and why, and I read that it was Feige's idea that this was passed. Like, this got through some sort of internal QC and check when they're walking up and seeing their 10-year timeline up until 2020 or 2030, whatever it is, why this made it pass an internal QC. It looks ridiculous, it creates characters that are off the power scale. And so how do you regulate this inside of your consistent narrative and characters going shoulder? It just makes no sense. Now you have the super scroll out there in Amelia Clark's character that has every power that ever existed inside of the MCU, including Miss Marvel. So she is now the most powerful character. It just makes no sense where you leave all of that. What do you do with that in the future? Does she show up in Miss Marvel? Like, do the powers eventually go away? Is that the retcon that this machine only worked for 24 hours or whatever? Doesn't matter. It was just absolutely absurd. And I try really hard to like everything that the MCU does because I, I honestly am a major fanboy. But that was absurd is the only word I have to use for it. The other thing that I want to touch on is, of course, the roadie reveal. Now... This was fumbled. I, I tried to like this, and I tried to half defend it online. And Ian and I talked about this, and it, I was immediately converted to being someone that saw this as a major fumble. In in principle and in idea, I think Rhodey is an awesome choice to have been a Skrull, a character that has a ton of legacy inside of the MCU, and a character that's connected to some of the major moments and that's what you kind of want in this story. That's the, I think at the core of it, it could have been very cool that Rhodey was a scroll at some point and we don't know when. And like the director tried to, to say, oh, it was after Civil War because he's in the hospital gown, his legs didn't work. And, and I'll talk about why I think that was a cool idea, but executed poorly here in a second. But again, going back to the actual reveal, I think the biggest problem with it all 
is the fact that Rhodey is a wildly different character inside of Secret Invasion than he is anywhere else. Now, if he, like you go to if he was let's assume that he changed somewhere after Civil War, and you go to Endgame and you go to these moments with Falcon in the in his TV show and all that. Those are moments that if it was a scroll replicating that emotional moment for Rhodey with Tony Stark, with Falcon and everything he's done since Civil War, fighting in Endgame, fighting Thanos and all that. That's cool because if done right, that could be such an important piece for demonstrating the potential of a scroll invasion that if you can have a character like this someone that's experienced these things and all of a sudden you're like whoa he was a scroll the whole time i think that makes the scrolls infinitely more interesting and powerful and intriguing inside of the mcu but because they fumbled the reveal and they fumbled the approach it makes you think that he turned into a scroll moments after we saw him in the Falcon show. Now, like I said, if done right, this could have been huge. Because I saw a lot of people talking about all these emotional moments with Rhodey and shoot, like, his the Tony Stark thing and all this kind of stuff. No, let's, let's be fair. No one really was pointing at those as like, oh, this is an awesome character arc for Rhodey until the moment happened when they didn't like what happened in Secret Invasion. And then there's all this retconned emotion for Rhodey and as they've retconned all the stuff. Like, I think that's a little silly that all of a sudden people really cared about Rhodey's arc because no one talked about it before. But I think the problem is, is in execution, it was just not done well. I think in, in practice or on paper, looking at Rhodey, he's like by far outside of Murray Hill, who's always one I picked as being a scroll. Rhodey by far is the best choice because there's so much you can do with the scrolls, but the show fumbled all of that, unfortunately. And now we're going to Armor Wars with Rhodey, whether that's a film or a TV show, I'm not sure anymore, but there's, there's something more you can build off of. So you've given him kind of this cool arc where, you know, is he just learning about Tony Stark's death? Is he just learn? And then how, how does he feel about taking on the mantle of Iron Man now after learning the death of, of Tony Stark that he wasn't present for? Like, could he have done more? There's a huge emotional arc that he can go through there. And Armor Wars becomes infinitely more interesting and emotional because he's not only dealing with the immediate knowledge of the death of Tony Stark, but also taking up a mantle of sorts. Is that him? Is that Riri Williams? So there's so much more you could do there. And I just, that would have been really cool to me. And I think way more intriguing. And then you can go back and look for, like, of course they're retconning it, but there's like little nuances you could probably pick up on on certain things, or you could retcon these ideas back. Like, oh, this is why he didn't hug him, or this is why he didn't do this, or... It, to me, it would have elevated Rhodey. It would have elevated the Skrull story. It would have planted seeds for, okay, shoot, who else is a Skrull? Because that, that's another big thing. Like, they erase a lot of stuff in there. But if you put Rhodey as a Skrull so far back, you could be thinking, oh, is Nick Fury actually a Skrull? So, to me, I don't have a problem with Rhodey being a Skrull, even all the way back to Civil War, even further back. My problem is in execution, is that it just wasn't thought out. And the character 
portrayal by Don Cheadle, which of course is likely at the direction of the director and the creatives and all that behind the show, was just way off base. He was a completely different human and a completely different person. You could tell he was a scrawl because he was acting weird the entire show. And so if he had been consistent all the way through and the review, you would have just would have blown you away. Anyways, I'm going to get off that soapbox because I, I think there's more to talk about there. But that was kind of the, my initial thoughts and feelings about Secret Invasion, that Loki trailer, Rhodey's turn and all that. So let's, let's head over to, we'll spend another couple minutes. We won't go too, too long here. But hmm. oh, a little skip, sip ski there. Let's talk about, let's go over and see what we got here. We can provide some commentary on. Okay, I'm going to pluck a few stories out of here. All right, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman 3, in development, DC Studios. What? Okay, we're going to provide a little bit of hot take on this because uh, until it's confirmed by James Gunn, nothing is true at DC Studios, but seems to be some rumors that Gal Gadot could be returning to the role of Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman 3. Hot take opinion. Don't like this. You know what? Gal had her time. She was great. She made lots of appearances. If you're looking for a clean break, it's already going to be hard enough as it is with the likes of John Cena, Peacemaker, and a bunch of characters, Viola Davis and all that, jumping over into the DCU. If you start to put one of your pillars into the DCU, potentially alongside Aquaman, don't know, potentially alongside The Flash, probably not anymore. But bringing a Wonder Woman back, not rebooting her, not giving it to a potentially younger actress to take on the mantle that could go another 10 plus years in the role i don't know i I say don't love this gal gadot loved her portrayal of course in one 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 and she was cool to see her pop up through some of the last couple of movies here in the dcu but i think gone needs to be a bit more clear on that clean break like it's not going to be a completely clean break but you need to reboot wonder woman one of your pillars here you need to start fresh so i'm gonna leave that one where it is Let's go. What else we got in here? All right. Let's talk. Oh, here's a big one. Fantastic forecasting. Look, we've been waiting for this for what seems like years. Marvel Studios has always been really great about promising a movie and delivering on the little things that keeps you interested and engaged with that film. The big slate comes out. Civil War. Oh, you got Robert Downey Jr. and Evans and Black Panther. So they've always been great about the casting and really putting emphasis on the care and curation they do with actors and actresses to ensure that these people are not only connected, but that they have a presence amongst them to really emphasize the importance of these characters and to own these characters. And the fact that we still don't have a Fantastic Four cast is pretty wild. Now, these articles are pointing towards Adam Driver being in the running, Matt Smith from, he was in Morbius, of course, but he is better known as one of the Doctor Who's. Gotta be honest, don't like either of these guys if I'm really looking at both of it. Adam Driver, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren as Reed Richards. Ah, not digging it, not digging it. I, I honestly think they gotta go a different direction than both of these guys. Like, I'm sure it'd be fine, and Matt Smith kind of looks like Fantastic Four in this picture they got up here, but I'm still John Krasinski or Bust kind of guy right now. I, I know he was in Multiverse of Madness. It's a bit of a cheeky nod towards that casting, but 
They're going to go this direction. Ah, they got to keep looking. Got to keep looking there, Kevin Feige. I'm sorry. I don't love the look at you, these guys. But, like, who am I? Like, what am I? I don't know. I, I just... This Fantastic Four needs to, like... Out of anything that's coming out outside of those Avengers films, this really, I think, has to work. Like, this has to be another tentpole pillar story and franchise as the likes of Cap and Iron Man and Thor, as they're all dwindling or gone, and you're kind of handing the baton off. Like, this has to be, like, Marvel's first family has to be a huge, a huge film that carries the universe going forward and i don't know both of these guys maybe go younger maybe go a little bit young i don't know i don't really know but ah okay well let's see let's see it'd be interesting to see when that eventually does get announced because jeez, i don't know i don't know it's it's a lot like they need to really nail that it's, it's so darn important. What's this? The Mandalorian Season 4 could now become a movie as Disney shifts away from streaming titles. Okay. That's interesting. So Disney Plus, as we've chronicled through here, has gone through kind of these different waves of of love and admiration. I'd say pandemic time, we all wanted more. We wanted everything. I was certain that the, the for eternity everything was going to be at least day and date release like movie theaters were gone we've been proved or i've been proved wildly wrong with that assumption now it looks like the streaming services are actually really struggling because one the budgets on these things are absolutely insane 300 200 million dollars and you go to the movies three 200 million dollars i i've said it on twitter before if the studios can't get their budgets under control it's like they're one of their number one priorities none of these are going to be seen as as in investments that stakeholders want to make and when i say stakeholders i mean like shareholders and like they're just gonna see oh you you invest 300 million dollars in a movie 200 million dollars in promo 500 half a billion dollars and the movies are turning up at three four five hundred million dollars the gold box office like you're losing 200 million dollars on that on a re- you might as well just shove the money into a, like a, a low <laughs> return bank account and at least get five ten percent back on some of that but let, let's look at this what this says so of course all the we got all the, the writer stuff and all that but there's a report that mando season four could become a movie and theatrical releases have become a priority for disney over streaming and let's see. There are now concerns that John Favreau and Dave Filoni would be unable to make the required two seasons of television necessary to lead into the latter Star Wars movie. So I guess short falling on the actual big story getting up and into what is likely heir to the Empire here. So uh, and that's potentially maybe due to the strike. So maybe we'll just go straight to the big screen with one big movie. Interesting. So... Again, this is coming from, it looks like, makingstarwars.net. Moving and shifting away from Disney Plus for Star Wars. I don't, to be honest with you, if anyone's benefited from being on Disney Plus, it's definitely been Star Wars because I think they've been able to tell some of their best stories without the time constraints of, of two and a half hours that they've been able to stretch like the likes of Andor and Mando. This Ahsoka looks awesome. Like I said before, high barrier for entry. But 
I think Disney Plus has really benefited Star Wars. And there's, of course, the, I guess, the confirmation that um, Donald Glover and his brother are coming back to write the Disney Plus solo spinoff show. And so uh, that seems to be conflicting a little bit. I do see the desire to take, of course, Mando, Ahsoka, that post-Return of the Jedi era onto the big screen as it's familiar you can put luke in there and han and leia and you can really put a strong foundation underneath your star wars going into the big screen again because i think there's like if if i was sitting in the studio head of lucasfilm or or even disney you gotta be a little shaky on star wars going into the big screen again like you need a big absence again you've got to build hype and i think the way you do that is with the familiar and going to ray's story is like they they're thinking that way because they got ray's story they got this air of the empire stuff which you can have essentially your end game of star wars type thing with thrawn but you got to do a lot of work to get the audience tuned into who all these characters are so star wars moving away or prioritizing film i think is a good thing but does Star Wars need to be on the screen every year, every two years? I don't think so. I think they do better as people grow fonder due to absence. So Mando season four or Mandalorian film, or I guess leading film into Heir to the Empire is interesting. That's for sure. So I guess we'll see what this lands. And that's just a rumor, speculation, if you will. But ooh, that's a big one prioritizing film okay i dig it i dig it all right let's see if there's an, a, one or two more articles in here that might be uh, a little fun to watch we talked about a lot of stuff already and i've, I've quite enjoyed kind of just sitting here and having a mm, a nice little sip let's see what the the world of nerd has been doing here as i've been kicking back poolside for the last couple of weeks so i guess Let's take, uh, there's nothing really super interesting in here. There's a lot of kind of speculation and rumor stuff. And, you know, we're going back to, of course, like Secret Invasion. I don't want to talk about Secret Invasion or The Flash or anything like that. Um, well, here's a, here's a rumor. I'm going to put a spoiler alert on this one. This is the last one. We're going to talk about some Star Wars here. Um, so big spoiler for Ahsoka. Ahsoka, Ahsoka. So I'm going to give you two seconds here. I'm going to have a little sip. All right, guys. Ahsoka merchandise appears to confirm that Hayden Christen will return as Anakin in said show, potentially as Darth Vader. So, Hayden Christen returning as Anakin Skywalker in Ahsoka's perhaps the show's worst kept secret, but merchandise listening appears to confirm he will be, will see more of the Jedi turn Sith. So, anyways, I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but it does look like we're getting Anakin back hayden back as darth vader in this show likely in some form of a flashback maybe recreating some of the rebels interactions which would be really cool i believe it is either the mid-season finale or the season finale of season two possibly where we do see ahsoka face off against darth vader and they do a very similar thing that they did in kenobi where they kind of cut his mask open and you can see his face and he kind of you kind of hear him talking a bit more outside of the the respirator that we have with darth vader so that would be pretty cool because it looks like from the trailer at least that they're recreating some of the scenes from rebels taking some of course some filmmaking liberties with those to make things work in a little bit better with the stories that they're telling right now because i do believe that they redo the epilogue from rebels in that trailer 
So it looks like we're gonna get kind of a a bit more of a deep dive into Ahsoka and Darth Vader, their relationship through Rebels, and potentially some flashbacks. Is there a potential for a Force ghost Anakin here visiting Ahsoka? That would be pretty cool. I think I'd prefer that over just flashbacks that he is kind of guiding her. You know, we get a mention of Anakin in that Ahsoka trail, that most recent Ahsoka trailer, and. Is there potential to see a, a Force Ghost? That, to me, would be more exciting than Vader. We've seen lots of Vader recently. He was quite prevalent through that, uh, of course, the Kenobi show. And I think a Force Ghost Anakin is something we need. So bring it on. Bring on Force Ghost Anakin. All right, guys. You know what? I have been talking here for about 35 minutes. I plan to do about 15 minutes here. And here we are 35 minutes later. I know this is a bit off the cuff and a little less structured than normal. But I wanted to get behind the mic because once I get talking, I just absolutely love it. Now, guys, before we wrap up here, just for this episode, I've got a very exciting announcement that I'll elaborate on a little bit more next week when I'm back in the Nerd Room studio. My wife and I are going on a very exciting podcast journey together. And if you go over to my Twitter feed, you will see... A, an announcement of sorts we're slow rolling this out we're kind of soft launching this next piece of our podcasting journey and what that means is there's going to be a little bit of shift in focus here in the nerd room which i'll elaborate on in the not too distant future here as i'm looking to start up another podcast and that podcast if you go to the new website and all this it is tucked in there but i will do a formal discussion of it here in the coming weeks so Big changes happening in my podcast space. What that means for the nerd room is something that Ian and I have to chat a little bit about, but we will continue to be dropping episodes here on the nerd room feed for the long-term, foreseeable future, all that kind of stuff. We're not stopping anything here in the nerd room. We might tweak things a little bit. We might tweak things with episode drops and frequency, but other than that, it's, it's going to be the same nerd room with little twists and something a little bit different. Stuff like this, where I come at you solo or Ian comes at you solo. We come at this thing together. And we just try to have some fun with nerd. Like I've always said, I wanted and have always wanted the nerd room to be the bridge between a GA or a new fandom or a new person experiencing fandom into something just a little bit more. I want this to be the thing that slides in the middle and allows you to jump from someone that is interested in seeking more to someone that is actively seeking more inside of a community. That's what I've always wanted the nerd room to be, and that's what it's going to continue to be. So, guys, with all that being said, one more mm. cheers to everyone out there. I hope everyone's enjoying some vacation time, some downtime here in the real world. And I can't wait to get back on the mic with my brother Ian the coming weeks, hopefully talking about TMNT and a few other things next week. So with all that being said, enjoy your time with your family, enjoy your vacation, and thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Kate Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.